Hi everybody, Andy here. Just before we started this week's show, wanted to introduce our very special guest who was live at the Soho Theatre with us a couple of weeks ago when we recorded this. He is none other than the mighty Richard Osman. You might know him from Pointless, you might know him from Richard Osman's House of Games, his appearances on QI, his appearances on every other brilliant British comedy panel show ever made, and he is also the author of a series of books called The Thursday Murder Club. And if you have read a book in the last few years, there is a pretty good chance that it was one of the Thursday Murder Club novels because they are absolutely titanic. They have broken so many records, they have sold millions of copies. The first three in the series are called The Thursday Murder Club, The Man Who Died Twice and The Bullet That Missed. They're about a gang of retired sleuths who live in a retirement village in Kent. They like going through case notes of old murders and then they find crimes start happening a little closer to home. They're honestly such good books. They managed to pull off the trick of being simultaneously gripping and thrilling, and they are page-turners. You have to keep reading, you have to find out what comes next, and also being heartwarming and joyful and very human, and the characters are beautifully drawn. There is a reason they have sold so many millions of copies around the world, and that's because they're really good. We are all huge fans of them, and the next in the series is called The Last Devil to Die, very exciting title and it is out soon it's out on the 14th of september it is available to pre-order now from wherever you get your books it is a safe bet that anywhere that sells books will be selling the last devil to die and they will have lots of copies so that's it we just wanted to say we're super excited to have richard on we've been trying to get him for years and finally he's free so we really hope you enjoy the show we had a blast recording it we hope you like it too on with the podcast to Murray and Richard Osman, and once again, we have gathered round the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days, and in no particular order, here we go. Starting with fact number one, and that is Richard. Tunbridge Wells does not have a Waitrose. (laughs) (laughs) For anyone who's not from England, I should explain, Waitrose is a very high-end supermarket, Mm. uh, and Tunbridge Wells is the sort of town you would be absolutely fucking insane to think didn't have one. Yeah. <laughs> and when, when you write a novel, there's a wonderful group of people called copy editors, and they're the greatest people in the whole world, and copy editors pick up on every single little thing in a book. I, I wrote in, in one of my books that uh, Joyce, who's the head of the Thursday Murder Club, or one of them, she gets a drink from a trolley on a train from Polgate to Victoria... Uh, mm. And the copy editor says, uh, they stopped trolley service on that uh, route <laughs> in 2008. To, yeah. Just to give you an idea yeah. of how good they can be. They pick up on every single thing ever. The one thing they didn't pick up on, I sent someone to Waitrose in Tunbridge Wells and nobody even bothered <laughs> to check because why would you? And now people at Tunbridge Wells are furious with me. <laughs> 
That's incredible. Yeah. I reckon it's like a dirty secret of the people in Tunbridge Wells that they don't have a Waitrose, right? Well, no, because do Richard's told them they do, so it's kind uh, of... It's... No, but I think Richard picked a really sore subject for them. So I started yeah. looking into this. Yeah. There has been a sort of decade-long campaign in Tunbridge Wells yeah. to get a Waitrose. Right. And for whatever corporate reasons, maybe they're just doing it for the fun, Waitrose keeps saying, I'm so sorry, we just can't find a space. <laughs> we just can't find a site. Like 2016, this story ran, shoppers in Tunbridge Wells are fuming after a new store to open in the town was revealed to be a Wilco. Oh. <laughs> oh. Imagine they, they put up the W and everyone's like, oh! Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's and they get their fear because uh, Tom Bridge, yeah, uh, just, just a few miles, just a few miles yeah. away, they've got a Waitrose. Yeah, they've only got eight thousand people. Tunbridge yeah. Wells, as yeah. we all know, has fifty-six thousand people. I so, so I good. weirdly, um, my my wife's family live down in Heathfield. That is I, weird. And I get the. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That why has he never mentioned that before? <laughs> that is nine years, crazy. nine years I've been sitting on that. Whoa. But I thought Richard's brought the yeah. uh, waitress Tunbridge Wells fact. And so I get off at Polgate all the time. No. And I way. know there's no trolley service. So hold on. Right. Two two questions. Yeah. A, are you my fact checker? <laughs> B, why didn't you pick up on the Tunbridge Wells thing when you were my fact checker? Yeah. I think if Dan was your fact checker, you would know about oh it by God. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> This book is much longer than when I sent it in. <laughs> but also, my three sons were born in Tunbridge Wells, so I'm really rooted there as a kind wow. of... Yeah, my, my history now is... Did you is... pop down to the Wilco to buy a celebratory? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we did, we did a gig in Tunbridge Wells, and I got to meet the daughter of a barber shop guy. He's, he's passed away. He ran a salon there, and he was the seventh son of a seventh son, which means he's a oh. wizard. Wow. And... <laughs> He had the Guinness World Record for shaving most faces in the shortest space of time. He did like 100 faces in something like 10 minutes. They just came, do you remember? He was a military guy and he just went and he kept covered in blood. It was a very, remember. <laughs> yeah. And weirdly, yeah. the next day, the, the local morgue broke the record. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think another name for a barbershop guy is Barber. <laughs> I was confused when that's a barbershop guy. I was thinking, oh... And both my parents are hairdressers. I don't know why <laughs> that came out like that. I was thinking, is he the baritone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. In, the, in um, the most recent book that, that I, I, I bought out, I sort of did an apology of sorts. Joyce, who, who writes a, a diary through the books, she goes to Tunbridge Wells... Mm. And she said, I had read somewhere there was a Waitrose, but there isn't. So whoever wrote that had got it wrong. Oh, wow. And that's, that's oh, my apology nice. to the people of Tunbridge Wells. I have, a, I have a little quiz for you, Richard. Okay. How I many hope. times do you oh, mention no. Waitrose in the Thursday Murder Club? Oh. In the, just in the first book? Yeah, in the first book. Oh, I mean, is, is, it, is it over 100 or, or, or less than 100? <laughs> I'm going to say I mentioned Waitrose, the word Waitrose. Yeah. Eight times? Five times. Okay. Mm. Okay. Sainsbury's? Oh, okay. <laughs> Three times? Twice. Okay. Starbucks? Starbucks. <laughs> I think they definitely go to a Starbucks in an airport at mm. one point. Oh, and they go to... There's a lot of Starbucks. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say four times. Three. Little? Dan, are we, are we going to go through all the words? Or just yeah. the supermarkets? <laughs> yeah. I've only got Tesco, Asda, Little, Costa, and uh, Aldi to go through. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do, need, I do need people to buy these books. That's the... Uh, <laughs> There's murders as well. It's not all just shops. Oh. I'm just saying for the next book, if you need the fact checker, I kind of know all the shops you mentioned. That's, so. that's, that's very kind. My, my, yeah. my daughter, who speaks Chinese, was reading the, the Chinese version of the book, and literally the footnotes are longer than the actual book.
book itself. She said even in the first three pages, they'd had a footnote explaining what Oliver Bonus was, oh, wow. who Mark Duggan was, and, and what Lilt is. Wow. <laughs> so if you yeah. need someone who speaks Chinese to fact check that book, <laughs> I am also available. I mean, we're going to have to take your word for that. Um, <laughs> I definitely did speak Chinese just then. That Imagine would have been fucking didn't. out there if I did. Wow. Yeah. What a way to get cancelled. Yeah. I feel like I need to help the um, non-English listener about these supermarkets in the UK. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of information. I read that there was some research done by the Sex Education Show, which was a, a channel for classic. Uh, <laughs> And they looked at people who went to different supermarkets and they found that uh, people who shop at Marks and Spencers are big fans of sex parties. Um, they do such big cakes, don't they? That it's... <laughs> is, that, is that Colin Caterpillar in your pocket or are you just pleased to see me? I should say it's double the national average, which presumably isn't that high in the first place. Or people who like people who like sex parties. People who go to Iceland are more likely to be involved in cosplay, and mm -hmm. people who go to Waitrose are more likely to use nipple clamps. Whoa! So oh. just a little bit of context yeah. for the and people who go to Lidl, uh, like it up the middle aisle. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You never know what you're going to find in there, do you? You never know what you're going to find. Yeah. Hey, baby, I've come back yeah. with a kayak. <laughs> so mistakes oh, wow. in books. There oh, are yeah. some which yeah. are, you know, you get your typos, you get your small factual ones. I think my favorite one that I found out was there was the Bridget Jones book, The Return of Bridget Jones, after a long, long gap for the third book. It was called Mad About the Boy. And there was a bit of a typo in that book because readers, when they bought it, suddenly started reporting back to the shops that um, about a quarter to halfway through the book, there were suddenly 40 whole pages of David Jason from Only Fools and Horses autobiography <laughs> in there. Wow. Just 40 pages of him talking about his Uncle Albert. And, uh... and was that Helen Fielding just absolutely phoning it in and thinking... <laughs> No, no it's going to get this far. Yeah. Yeah. What if Bridget just reads someone else's book for 40 pages? <laughs> yes. yeah. What a great idea. Yeah. Let's yeah. just call it Mad About the Del Boy. No one will notice. <laughs> was it just a printing cock-up? Yeah, it was, yeah so no. they had to return and pulp so and funny. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, there was a thing. This, might, this is maybe an author's nightmare. Something that happened to uh, Jonathan Franzen, the big American oh, novelist. Oh, yes. yeah. He was recording a reading for Newsnight of his book Freedom, which was absolutely was massive. It was a mega book. And he stopped halfway through the reading and he said, I'm sorry, I'm realizing to my horror here that there's a mistake here that was corrected early and they printed the wrong version of the book. Oh, they printed an oh early file of the book and it was obviously, you know, full of all the bits he didn't want to be read and, yeah. you know, it just sounds like... Ugh, it was the know. British version and this, this was like called the book of the century. He'd been working yeah. 10 years on it. It was a massive book and they published like something like 80,000 copies. Wasn't this previous book called The Corrections? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a nightmare. You wake up in a cold sweat when you've handed a book in, yeah. thinking, just little things like about, could he have got there on Tuesday if he was there on Friday? You just think you've missed something. Because yeah. by the time it gets printed, maybe 10 people have read it, maybe 12, something like that. So it's not many. So if we all miss the same thing, yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. it. You could get this book when everyone just goes, why did you not notice that the... Yeah, yeah I think, oh, my God, it literally... Yeah. Do you remember book, that? You, on can the... you tell I've got a book coming out really soon? Yeah. <laughs> so you're terrified. Do you yeah. remember that when our first book was just going to the printers, you literally rang our producer... Uh, I had a lucid producer. dream 
the night before the book went to print. Bullshit. You've no. never had a lucid thought in your life. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, honestly, I was really sweating. We did a book where it was called The Book of the Year, and in it, we made references to all, all over the book. So you would say, see this article, and you would go to it. And the introduction was full of these things. So I was having a dream... And this was, I was down in Tunbridge Wells, so I just got the Polgate train. Okay. I mean... I was in, oh, sorry, in Heafield, yeah, yeah. So my in-laws picked me up from Polgate. I'm starving because the trolley service is gone. So I'm... So uh, off I go to the Heathfield Costa. Anyway. <laughs> so in the dream, I'm, and this is true, I'm showing Frank Skinner our book, and I'm saying, look, Frank, this is how the intro is and all these words. And, and I read in the book a reference to something that I knew was not in the book. And then I kept reading, and this is, I'm now awake in the book, reading the book, going, that's not in there as well, that's not in there as well. I wake up and I grab a PDF of the book, and it turns out I'm completely right. We forgot to change the new articles. Wow. And I managed to get through to Nigel, our editor, in the morning, and he stopped it from going to print. It had to be printed within the next two hours, and he sent a new PDF. In the, in, and I managed to change it the last second, yeah. A mean, lucid dream with Frank Skinner. You are one of the world's great heroes, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine what would have happened I don't want to, think to about us it. as a nation? <laughs> wow. Yeah, things, things could have been really going to shit now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was reading about some errors in rap songs. So this is rap songs that could have done with a fact check. Uh, oh, I've right. removed some of the more choice words from these. But there's a song by Common featuring Cannabis. <laughs> And uh, they said, I'm your worst nightmare squared. That's double for those who ain't mathematically aware. <laughs> Although, if your worst nightmare is two, <laughs> then... <laughs> uh, there's a song by Drake who says, I could wrap around those others like a cobra snake. Uh, cobras are venomous, they're not constrictors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Major Lazer said, make yourself bigger like Mushroom, Mario Kart. Uh, he's referring to Super Mario, not Mario Kart, where they make you go faster. Uh, and Nelly <laughs> once wrote, I'm a sucker for cornrows and manicured toes, and he meant pedicures. <laughs> That's nice. Amazing. I hope we have beef with all of them now oh, yeah. when this goes out. God, this Come at me, this, Major Laser, whoever the fuck you are. Let's <laughs> see, <laughs> so the very first, uh, very first uh, thing I ever had published in my life had a typo in it. I was like 15 years old, and there, there was a magazine in Brighton called The Punter. Uh, and at one point they said, oh, we want someone to write just a little small thing about some of the towns outside Brighton. And I lived in a place called Hayward's Heath. So I said, I'll do Hayward's Heath and Burgess Hill. I said, I'll do both of them because I think it was £7 each. So I wasn't just going to do one of them. So I wrote this thing and it came out. It's the first time my name's ever been in print, first thing I ever saw. And it said at one point, Burgess Hill is like Hayward's Heath with anemia, right? And my mum read that. She went, that's pretty good. I went, yeah, yeah, it's not bad, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Burgess Hill's like Hayward's Heath with anemia. And one of my teachers who lived in Brighton said, I read your thing. Burgess Hill is like Hayward's Heath with anemia. He said, that's pretty, that's not bad. I go, yeah, well, listen, just stuff comes into my head. What I'd actually written was, Burgess Hill is like Hayward's Heath with a cinema. <laughs> Which was factually correct. <laughs> Thank you.
It is time for fact number two, and that is Andy. My fact is that after successful amnesties on knives and guns, in 2016, a Scottish council offered an amnesty on Zimmer frames. Oh. And this wow. is a thing you get happens all the time that they have these amnesties. Yeah. Because everyone's got uh, old Zimmer frames in their house or old walking sticks. Everyone. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Fact check. Have a look. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you're right. But a lot, a lot of money is tied up, hundreds yeah. of thousands of pounds in uh, walking sticks that are given out or Zimmer frames. And, and then... Like the... you injure yourself, they give you one. After a little while, you get better. You don't need that anymore. You use exactly. it as a clothes horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. They reckon there's something like 160,000 pieces of equipment that are needing to come back that haven't come back. Yeah. Yeah. So they had this amnesty and they got lots handed back in. Crutches too. Um, wow. Yeah. Walking sticks, walking But it's like an amnesty. an amnesty. An amnesty is one of those things that say, look, if you deliver your <laughs> knife or gun, you will not be prosecuted. <laughs> yeah. We will not send you to prison. You know, if you delivered a Zimmer frame like two years later said, I'm so sorry, we found this in my mother's house <laughs> and we realized this, we've tracked you down, we realized this is where it's come from. You're not going to go to prison. Yeah, they actually. Oh, they a do. Lot of, a lot of people. A lot of people, lot of people are there for were Zimmer. wrongly, wrongly yeah. banged up. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. rightly, if you look at it that way. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you're right. It was. Yeah, yeah. Amnesty was a kind of sexing up way of putting it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> there were um, no punishments. Yeah. yeah, they had a load of them in the 80s and 90s. I was reading in the newspaper archives. Um, in Hull, they said that people were using them to hang clothes on. Like I said, and that's why they. They had all gone missing. In the Wirral, they said people using them to grow climbing plants. Mm. Uh, Torbay made a special Zimmer frame bin so you could return them anonymously if you were a bit worried about handing them in that you That's might get in trouble. That's a big bin. Yeah. Huge bin. Wow. I was really waiting That's for you to say, and in Tombridge, they <laughs> use them for their sex parties. <laughs> well, I got one link with Tombridge Wells slightly, uh, and that is that... The stairlift was invented in Tunbridge Wells. Was it? Get away. Yeah. Um, like, so... Wow. <laughs> it's the navel of the universe. Yeah, yeah so, they, I mean, there have been old ones. I think yeah, Henry yeah. VIII might have had one, but that was just sort of like... He had a stairlift. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah it was like pulled up pulley. by people because yeah. he was so big at the end of his life, he couldn't get up the stairs. Uh, but this is an invalid chair with tramway for use on staircases that was patented in 1931 uh, in Royal Tunbridge Wells by a guy called Walter Muffet. Okay. And the only other thing I could find about him is that he was once the oldest St. John's Ambulance member in the world. That's Whoa. Good. That's really good. That's very cool. I wasn't going to get out my stairlift fact right, like right at the beginning of this fact I because know. it's incredibly boring, my one. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Do you want to hear it? Do it. it? Do it. Do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, it's so shit. I got to stand <laughs> Oh, now, because we have a Discord for um, people who are members of Clubfish, yeah. who are subscribers, yeah. and they have a big conversation about the most boring fact you've ever said on Fish. <laughs> yeah. This fact is going gonna, is gonna to shove the others aside for the podium, I swear. Right. right. The 500,000th Stanner stairlift ever made was uh, produced in part by Prince Charles, who pressed the is button it? to start the uh, procedure. Oh. oh. And he... he I, I, told you you, mean... I told you it was bad. <laughs> oh. Then he said... I'm someone who is a great admirer of family companies, particularly hereditary lift makers. <laughs> anyway, I started telling my wife this fact, and she said, literally, wait, think to yourself, is this interesting? Think about it. That could literally be the title of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyone got anything better than that? Or? Uh, I've got something worse than it, I think. I was looking, when, when I saw you talking about Zimmer frames, I'm always fascinated about, you know, who Zimmer might have been. Because when you look in, inside companies, it's interesting. And I assumed he was German, he's not, he's American. And he's called Justin Zimmer. Uh, and it was a sort of post-war, I think, that he, he set up this company. It's one of the biggest companies in the world now, this company that he set up. Uh, so I was Googling him, but unfortunately, there's also a defensive linebacker for the Miami Dolphins called Justin Zimmer. Oh. So I literally gave up because everything was about him. So I can tell you uh, that Justin Zimmer, the linebacker, is now a free agent. He is now available because oh. the Miami Dolphins cut him in, uh, in, in, in pre-season. So he's, uh, right. but he's, he's 30, so, but, you know, still, I think he's got something in his yeah. legs. He's got time. Yeah. That's very um, cool. He, Justin O. Zimmer of Warsaw, Indiana. Oh. Uh, he also invented the aluminium splint for broken arms. The advantage of that was the old ones were like papier-mâché and the new ones just covered part of your arm so you could put it in a x-ray machine and you could still x-ray your arm, your broken arm, without taking the cast off. So that was a good oh, thing. That's clever. Him. That's yeah. very cool. Um, I prepared a little quiz, game quiz for you. Oh, great. Whoa. Let's do it. Play your canes right. <laughs> yep. That's clever. What about Richard Osman's House of Canes? Yeah. There you go. All right. That would have been a lot better, Andy. That would have been, yeah. All right. Not getting invited back on that show. No. <laughs> um, right, I'll give you a cane, and you have to tell me if it's worth more or less than the previous celebrity-owned cane. Okay, cool. Oscar Wilde. Yeah. Oh, well, sorry, I haven't told you this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say higher. Is it higher? <laughs> it's harder than it looks, isn't it, Richard, this yeah. quiz show? So yeah. Yeah. Higher than zero, higher. I'm going for. <laughs> All right, Richard's off the blocks early. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Oscar Wilde with Inkwell. Interesting. His walking stick had a little inkwell built into the top. That's oh, that's cool. nice. Cool. 7,700 quid, roughly. Okay. Sir James Craig, <laughs> who was, of course, the first Prime Minister of Northern Ireland. Okay. I mean, less, obviously. I'm going to go more. It's more. No. Oh. Sir James Craig's walking stick was sold for £10,000 at auction. Something it was about full it? of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Michael's Oscar Wilde's cane was sold for 7000 Yes. No. Yeah. What year? Like the 1800s? <laughs> no, recently, this century. I don't think people are that... I think they like his, his writing. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure the cane is the thing there. He had an inkwell you can walk like Oscar Wilde would have done. <laughs> he, he had an inkwell. That's, yeah. that's a historical artifact. Well, Michael Collins. The okay. space, the astronaut? No, the Irish Republican leader. Sorry, it's an Irish-themed <laughs> play your canes right. I, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> wow. More or less than £10,000 for um, Sir James Craig. Uh, more. I'm going to say more. Uh, yeah, it must be more. It is more. It's 50. See, again, that's a format problem because <laughs> we, all get, we all gave the same answer, didn't we? It's more. It's £52,000. Last one. Whoa. Yeah, a lot. Oscar Wilde must be gutted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Labour leader Michael Foote. Oh, oh not Irish. But, uh, Oscar Wilde, not Irish. can I just say, Oscar Wilde always had a cane. Stephen Fry, the poster, he had a cane. I'm sorry, this is a, a historically important cane. Richard, if you want to get Dan angry at any point, just tell him that an item of very recondite celebrity memorabilia sold for less than Dan would have paid for it himself. Oh. <laughs> like, he has steam coming out of his ears. <laughs> Me and my friends just equally, like, we put in together, paid a lot of money for Sir Edmund Hillary's backpack. He's the one who got to the top of Everest first, but for his second expedition, when he looked for the Yeti. And we bought it, and no one else bid. But wow! <laughs> but wow. you went straight in there at fifty grand. Didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How much did you pay for it? Uh, New Zealand dollars. It was twelve thousand. But yeah. in actual money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
I think that's what six quid. That is a translation. No, I think that's, that's it's a few thousand. It is. But wow. there was three okay. of us, and yeah, crikey, and, yeah. But no one else bid. Well, we accidentally one of us outbid each other. Uh, <laughs> forgetting. We got two incredibly motivated yeah. buyers. It's so weird. Yeah. I mean, why, I feel like no one's taking your quiz seriously. Yeah, it does feel like no one's uh, yeah. no one's interested. How much Michael Foot's cane was auctioned for? Okay, lower, lower, lower. Yeah, lower. Uh, I'm going to say lower. Thank. Oh. <laughs> but I'm, what do you want me to do? All right, I'll say higher no, for a I've bit of jeopardy. The format. Well, thank yeah. you. That's really kind, Richard. Yeah, it was obviously much less than it was. It was, <laughs> it was 650 pounds. <laughs> Dan, oh. you interested? That's a bargain. Michael, Michael Foot. 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 Kenya. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Big, okay. Big Foot. They used to call him. <laughs> Ed, Edmund Hillary found him. Uh, there, there was a cane up for auction recently for half a million dollars. <sighs> Okay. Ooh. You know what cane that was? Charlie Chaplin's. Charlie Chaplin's uh, cane from modern times sold for four hundred twenty thousand dollars. This oh. one went for more. It was. Did Yoda have a cane or am I? <laughs> Yoda has a cane. Yeah. Um, who has a more famous cane? No. Who is it? Michael Caine. No. <laughs> it was Michael Caine. No, it wasn't Michael Caine. <laughs> it was. It was a very normal cane, but had a light on the end with batteries, and it lit up. Oh, and the flashed. lightsaber wasn't a lightsaber. <laughs> it was used by a survivor of the Titanic. Oh, yes! On the lifeboats. This is incredible. And she used it to signal. And it was essentially a cane, but I don't know why she thought to take it on the boat. Because what else is she using it for? Oh, onto the lifeboat? Yeah, she or took the, it onto the yeah, lifeboat. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. she signaled with it. And it, it was, it was the, the guide price was $500,000. And it went for $50,000. It went for $50,000? went for $50,000. That's not even as much as... <laughs> Michael Collins's cane. <laughs> well, he's been to space. <laughs> so, come on. That's yeah. where he got the idea for a United Ireland. Yeah, he looked down. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it was to be shared between 11 of her heirs, and they thought they were going to get half a million. Oh. They got, what's that, like 4,500 4, each oh, they man. got in the end. Um, <laughs> hey, here's the most significant walking stick in history. This I think this genuinely has a claim to be the most important one. Okay. It was wielded by the Archbishop of Milan in 2005... Okay. So, come on, think of your church history. What's happening in 2005? Roberto uh, Baggioli's Milan, was it that? Yes. Right. A new pope? New pope. Yeah. And he was a, he was a very significant uh, Catholic leader. The, the, um, the pope? pope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. You have gone downhill. What do bears do? Tell me, Andrew. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, the Archbishop of Milan was a senior guy. Um, and he might, he, like... I dread to think what my wife would say of that fact. <laughs> the Archbishop of Milan was very senior. He could have been, he could have been a contender if he, oh, yeah. you know, he could have he could have made it to be pope. And um, he appeared in public at the conclave, whatever it is, oh. walking with a stick. Mm. And it was seen as a sign by the by the other cardinals who might have voted for him on block. He's saying he's saying no, I'm sorry. Because uh, they always I vote for such youthful people, <laughs> don't they? <Yeah. laughs> oh, you're right. They voted for Cardinal Ratzinger, who was <laughs> mid-80s. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. Wow. But he would have oh, been it's a like very... a secret sign to say, like, I, I don't so. want well, to Well, that's it. how it was okay. interpreted, yeah. And he would have been a very radical pope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? He was, he was pro-contraception, pro... No, he wasn't. He was none of that. But no. he, was, <laughs> he was slightly more progressive, maybe, than the, the um, Benedict XVI ended okay. up being. So, you know. I, I need to move us on in a second. Oh, some amnesties quickly. Yeah, very yeah. quickly. Yeah. So um, they quite often have these things where you can give in your weapons or whatever. And there was one quite recently uh, where there was a rocket launcher was handed in in Cleveland. 
in Guernsey, they handed in a Klingon war sword. Oh, wow. In Birmingham, they handed in a three-foot cannon. Uh, and in Hertfordshire, they handed in a herb cutter and a fondue fork. <laughs> All right, we need to move on to our next fact. It is time for fact number three, and that is my fact. My fact this week is that in 2010, the annual Liars Club Lie of the Year Award was marred with controversy when the winning liar was accused of having lied about his lie. <laughs> huge news. It's big. In Burlington, Wisconsin. Um, so this is a club that began in 1929 because of a lie as well. The story is, is that two journalists basically decided to announce that there was a local lie of the year that happened, and they sent it out as a news story, and they thought it would disappear, but then the country picked up on it, and it got spread around the country. And then as the next year was approaching, they were getting all these messages saying, we're so excited for the lie of the year competition from the Liars Club. And so they had to then actually invent the Liars Club in order to have the lie of the year. So it's been going since 1929. And it's effectively, if anyone was reading every year, Edinburgh does the funniest jokes of the fringe, yeah, yeah. right? It's, it's that kind of thing. It's that, that kind of thing. People, it's usually a bit of a joke. And... Exactly. So the lie was uh, sent in by someone called David Mills. And he said, his lie was, I almost had a psychic girlfriend, but she left me before we met. That was the lie. That's not a good lie. And every single lie that you read of the modern day Liars Club, it's just these one-liners. And it was discovered that that wasn't an original line. That was someone, possibly Stephen Wright, the comedian. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and then the two runner-ups were also stolen lines. So people were allegedly just taking funny lines off the internet and saying, this is my life. Exactly, yeah. So the times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the Liars Club um, obviously had to deal with this, and they just came out and said, well, we don't care. That's fine. <laughs> and so it just went on, and they, they kept their championship. Yeah. But oh. yeah, it, it made me realize that there's a Lion Club, and it's not the good one. The good one is the British one. Did you read about the, the British one? Uh, the one in Cumbria? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was so. This one in America has been going since the twenties. Mm. Uh, the one in Cumbria has been going through since the seventies, and it was held in honor of a former landlord at the Bridge Inn. It was revived by his grandson, who was a one hundred and sixty-year-old former cesspit cleaner from Hungary. <laughs> <laughs> but it is essentially just the same thing, isn't it? Although yeah. I think the Cumbria one, they tend to tell a bit more of a, a long story. You get they? five to seven minutes and you go up yeah. and you build this long story. So someone who won it one year has said that they took a wheelie bin as a submarine and travelled under the ocean. And it's a, <laughs> a it's real kind of whim like whimsical tall tales. Yeah. yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of. There was one in 2011, uh, Glenn Boylan won after telling a tale about crossing a whippet with a mink. But Paul Burroughs failed to defend his title with the story about a bishop and a magical sausage. <laughs> the one in 1929 was supposedly won by someone who said that they'd seen a three-mile-long whale. And then the second year, they rang up and said to the people, so, okay, lie of the year last year was this thing. What's the lie of the year this year? And they didn't have an answer because they didn't have a competition. And so they said that the local police chief had said, I never tell a lie and that was their oh, lie. Yes, you know? And they, right. they kind of do a few things like that. So there was one year, a few years in, they had a thousand entries. So this was the fourth year in. 
and they had one from Canada and they disqualified it because they didn't want it to be an international contest. And the head of the contest said, let the foreign countries pay up their war debts if they want to get in the liars contest. Yeah. <laughs> that is a huge leap. You can imagine like um, Germany and Britain and France go, oh, we might as well pay up then. Yeah. <laughs> is there a war debt from Canada? Not as far as I knew, but you know. He knows about something, yeah. like me. Sue Perkins did it one year, the British one. British oh, one. Yeah. Yeah. And won. Yeah. yeah. Is she? Yeah, yeah, she's a winner of the Liars Club. Oh, I was. I tell you, he was a nice guy. Paul Hollywood. That's a joke. <laughs> he is a nice guy. That's a joke. No, it was, it was Mary Berry. It was Mary Berry. <laughs> um, but there, there is a thing about what, what men and women lie about. Because men, I think there are surveys, various surveys that say, oh, women lie more, or oh, men lie more. And I'm sure there's almost nothing between it. But there seems to be a bit of evidence that women tend to lie more uh, about positive feelings. Uh, you know, like, oh, no, it's nice, or whatever. That it's oh, yeah. that, like that kind of thing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a really interesting yeah. fact, honey. Wow. You should do yeah. that on the show, absolutely. No, it's completely average, darling. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, mm. and, you know, like, men, <laughs> men, men like, sort of boast lie more. You know, like, no, it's like, completely yeah. average, darling. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh... There is a thing that if children lie um, early on in their life, then it's supposed to be a sign of intelligence. Heard that. Um, so they did a thing where they gave kids a toy and put it behind them. And then they said, whatever you do, don't look at it. And then they left the room and some of the kids looked at it and some of them didn't and some of them lied about it and some of them didn't. And they found that when they looked in the future, or they didn't look in the future, in the future... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. In the future, when they looked back, they found that the ones um, who kind of lied about it had a higher IQ. The absolute best ones were the ones who didn't look at it and didn't lie about it. They tended to do better um, right. in future life. Someone at my primary school said that he wrote Golden Brown by the Stranglers. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and he was he was convincing because actually, if you think of the lyric, I was thinking, yeah, I could, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I was absolutely fooled. <laughs> I found out Brilliant. the truth somewhere around 2017. <laughs> Did you guys hear about Theodore Scharschmidt? No, who's this that? Is a great. This no. is just a. He's a doctor, and uh, he had he was writing a report about lying and a patient he treated who had a particular condition to do with lying, and this is amazing, right? In the 1990s, he had a patient who he nicknamed, because, you know, when you write up patients, you don't give their name, you give a, a pseudonym for them. He had a patient who he called Mr. Pinocchio. And the <laughs> reason for that was, if Mr. Pinocchio ever tried to lie, if he tried to lie, he would pass out and have convulsions. Okay? What? There was something in his neural chemistry which oh meant God. he couldn't do it. The only problem was, he was a high-ranking European official constantly involved in negotiations. What? <laughs> 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 Every time he even so much as tried to lie, he would start having uh, convulsions and passing out. And so he, it, was, it was a nightmare. And it was Has a... he been involved in Brexit? <laughs> <laughs> yes, on our side. Uh, and it's, yeah, and it's, it, he, he, uh, it was a form of epilepsy. He had this tiny that tumor. That is incredible. Tiny tumor inside his brain. It was operated on successfully. Is it a superhero thing, in a way? He'd because, be an amazing like, prime minister, right? Yeah. You know he's telling the truth. I cannot tell a like lie. Prime yeah, Minister yeah. admitted to hospital for 50th day running. <laughs> as, <or> like, 
yeah. but it is like if everyone knows that if you ever lie you're going to do this then yeah. they know that what you're saying is the truth yes it's, except that he had the operation had the tumor removed oh. and so uh, or and did he <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only people who aren't allowed to enter the Liars Club, isn't it? It's politicians. What? Politicians. Yeah, yeah, it's a Cumbrian yeah, Liars yeah. Club. <laughs> like Liar Sorry, people with incredibly rare tumours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Them as well. well. Yeah, yeah. Move, yeah. It's a weird, yeah, yeah. it's a weird thing. Mm. Um, I isn't it great? I'm just remembering an old childhood story. When you're lied to as a kid and you don't realise it until you're in your 20s, in this case for me. Golden bread. I, yep. Well, I got told a story at school. I was at my friend Tom's house and um, I went to the toilet and there was no toilet paper there. Oh, and, no. I, and I came out afterwards and I said to my friends, oh, they've got no toilet paper there. And then one of my friends said, oh, yeah, none of them in the family wiped their bums. And I went... <laughs> What do you mean they don't wipe their bums? And they said, they're all clean shitters. It just, it just happens. <laughs> so they don't have toilet paper here. And then my other friend went, did you not know that about Tom? And I said, oh, no, I didn't know that about Tom. That's amazing. And so I believed for about 10 years. More than 10 years. Well, no, 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 you, no, no, told no. Us, you told us this anecdote at a time when you still believed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> I remember this. I remember this clearly. <laughs> Here's what I mean. Ten years in, the logic broke down for me because I thought that can't be possible. And instead of accepting the truth, I went, hang on, this is incredible. Are you telling me that the parents, who are not related, because this could be genetic, <laughs> they both don't need to wipe their ass? They must have been dating and then they moved in and they just noticed the one toilet roll just kept hanging there. Did and then you... they produced non-ass wiping children. That's what happened 10 years after. I continued the logic outside of it. And then it was, yeah, late 20s. It clicked. I was like, hang on a second. I think they were lying to me. Dan, does, does, does your wife ever give you advice about which facts to say on the show? <laughs> She's never heard the show. <laughs> It is time for our final fact of the show, and that is James. Okay, my fact this week is that unusual crisp flavors in history include Prosecco, fish curry, buttered garlic scallop, vagina, and, <laughs> and Arthur Scargill. Almost didn't let me get to the end of that one, guys. This is, I know, Richard, you're a big fan of crisps. I'm just, this, at some point you must have made a choice about which order to put those last two crisps in. <laughs> just, is it vagina Arthur Scargill or is it Arthur Scargill vagina? Which of those is, which of those is funnier? <laughs> I, think, I think you made the right choice. Oh, thank you. Who is Arthur Scargill? I, I don't actually know. Oh. And that's not really the important part of the fact. Okay. <laughs> he was... What's, um, a, what's a vagina? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Arthur Scargill was um, basically the main guy in the miners' strike in the 80s, I suppose it was. Yeah. Uh, and basically, it was a guy who made some human-flavoured cannibal crisps. And they came in traffic warden, bank manager, and Arthur Scargill flavour uh, in the 80s. And he was going back because there were hedgehog crisps. And hedgehog crisps were really famous in the 80s. And he was kind of going in a slight sort of animal welfare thing and saying, well, you shouldn't really be eating hedgehog crisps, but why not eat half a Scargill crisps instead? Do you remember Hedgehog Crisps, Richard? I remember or? Hedgehog Crisps. I remember Arthur Scargill. Uh, very well, I remember. Yeah, Hedgehog Crisps was like, everyone, it blew everyone's mind. I was like about 10 or something, and everyone just went, oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> you, you, what, 
Hedgehog Chris. It's like that's the funniest thing anyone had ever done in the history of the world. Like someone had invented Hedgehog Crisps. They were just like beef, really, as anyone who's ever eaten Hedgehog will know. Uh, so I don't think they had real Hedgehog in them any more than uh, Arthur Scargill Crisps had real Arthur Scargill in them. <laughs> now, that was let's, the problem, let's, actually. Let's hope not. Because they called them Hedgehog Crisps, and then trade descriptions said they couldn't use the name because they didn't have actual hedgehogs in them. Mm. And then later they called them Hedgehog Flavor Crisps. Because this was actually in the early days of like proper crazy flavors of crisps. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, do, do we know what do we know what Arthur Scargill what he would have tasted like what the flavor was of that? <laughs> to be honest, I think they were just branded like that. I think they just tasted of random beefy meat. Okay, right. He would have tasted like the solidarity of the working man, my friend. That's <laughs> what he would have tasted like. <laughs> he would have tasted a social justice, Arthur Scargill. <laughs> Um, have you heard, did you hear of Virgin Mary flavored crisps? <laughs> no. So these were released in the last decade. This was 2013 by Pret-a-Manger. <laughs> they released and they got a lot of complaints, obviously from Christian and Catholic groups. And what Pret-a-Manger had intended was the alcohol, the non-alcoholic version of a Bloody Mary, oh. Virgin Mary, oh. uh, tomato juice. It was yeah. basically tomato flavored crisps, but they called them. Virgin Mary flavor crisps. That's very funny. Is and that the sort of thing the Pope would have been unhappy about, or would he have been fine? <laughs> well, if it had been the Archbishop of Milan, he probably. I wonder if vagina crisps would have been available in the UK because I was looking up what you're allowed to do as a product and release it, and there's there's so many rules with particularly companies' house. God, Dan feverishly got 15 tabs open trying to find anywhere that'll ship these to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm, on I'm eBay. just trying to find out about the trace description rules, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's vagina. It's vagina. It's a herb. It's a New Zealand herb. <laughs> but it's amazing. Um, so the, there's been a list that's been revealed of all the company names that have been rejected since 2019, and it's over 56,000 names. So I don't think Vagina Crisp would have made it into. And so, okay, so uh, these are a few of the names that were applied for to say, can we be a business in the UK? Um, that were rejected. So you have got um, Anus Ale Limited, not allowed. Ass Cleaning Limited, rejected twice. Mick Shagger Limited, Bell End Holdings, and Little Pricks Acupuncture. None were allowed. Wow. Feels yeah. harsh. Um, the Vagina Crisps, they're made actually by a Lithuanian company, so you're right to be doubtful. Um, okay. They're called Chaz. And I looked at the ingredients. So to get a vagina flavor, they used salt, onions, garlic, sugar, cream powder, yeast extract, <laughs> lemon powder, parsley, black pepper, sour cream, and bay leaves. Uh, and they also come penis flavored. Oh. And when I say come, I mean... <laughs> uh, and their flavoring comes from smoked salt, tomato powder, sugar, yeast extract again. Mm. <laughs> Maybe some cross-contamination there. And spices. <laughs> and they also sell Bosch flavored crisps where all the money goes to Ukraine. Um, so yeah, that kind nice. of cool company. I wow. Think. But is that, is that, do you think they've actually worked out that, that the average penis and vagina smells what those ingredients I'm make up? Taste rather than smells usually in crisps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, no, opening the pack and going, <laughs> oh yes. Dan, you're about, to, you're about to lose your mind when you first taste a crisp. It's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I snort my crisps. <laughs> <laughs> Smell but, is very integral to uh, taste. What they claim yeah. is that that did happen, that right. they got a load of 
experts in the field. Yeah. <laughs> which, which field was this? <laughs> <laughs> and they went to some flavouring experts and put the two together and they came up with this. Crikey. I haven't tasted them, so I couldn't possibly say. And they, just, they left one packet of vagina crisps and one packet of penis crisps in the factory overnight. Next morning, a million packets. <laughs> <laughs> so I found a slightly old claim. It was from about 10 or 15 years ago. And it was that half the crisps eaten in the EU, or what was the EU, are, are people eating crisps in Britain. That Britain ate mm. half the crisps in the EU. Oh, yeah. That's a huge... That because sense. crisps are not as much of a thing nearly on the continent. And they like you might have an olive... You might have some sort of very civilised... They like have Lay's, micro... don't they? That's what I always notice when but I go who, abroad. Yeah, but who buys the Lay's? It's British people Brits, on holiday. British Is people it? abroad. <laughs> yeah. Mm. This goes right to the top, James. <laughs> like, <laughs> Is that have... why they call them Lay? Because it's kind of funny. It sounds a bit like having sex. And they think they're going to get English people to buy That's those. That's right. That's why they do it. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Is it, that's but... why I bought those um, biscuits in Montenegro called Knob Lice. Wow. Anything to declare, sir? <laughs> I have nothing to declare except this cane and these knob lice. But they, in, in Europe, they eat paprika crisps, right? That's oh, their, yeah. uh, sure. their favourite yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. We're, we're the geniuses behind corn maize snacks, is the truth, which we always think of uh, as crisps. Oh. Uh, and the 1970s was such an extraordinary era. It was like the 90s for the internet but for corn maize snacks. Right. 1970... Sorry, what is a... Can you give me an example? Oh, I'm about to. Okay, sorry. <laughs> oh. Don't, don't you worry about that. Okay. By, by the end of this little bit, you will be in no doubt as to what a corn maize snack is, I promise you. Carry on, Professor. 19... Okay. 1970, uh, they invent what's Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. 1973, they invent Skips. Yeah. 1974, they invent Frazzles. <laughs> 1977, they invent Monster Munch. All within seven wow. years. The big hitters, all within seven years. Oh, who, who are they? You're saying it's like NASA. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? Quavers were invented in 1968 before Man Walked on the Moon. Wow, and before the uh, Beatles broke up. Yeah, exactly. Gosh, you um, could have had... You could have been eating some quavers as you heard the news that uh, the Beatles have broken up. That is striking. Yeah. That, that is striking. Thank you. They it could, is striking, isn't they it? They could have had quavers was, on the moon. That yeah. would have been amazing. That would have oh been amazing. God, yeah. yeah. Do you know, listen, I know you love an undiscovered hero on the show. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what Leslie Ivy did? Mm, uh, no. In no. 1974, Leslie Ivy. Okay, something to do, something snack related. Yeah, very much so. Okay, uh, <laughs> um, invented a new flavor. He's oh. Leslie Ivy is a machinist. He was a machinist at the Smith's Crisp factory, mm. and he is the guy who invented how to put stripes on frazzles. Oh, wow! Yeah, wow! And Leslie he's Ivey. here tonight. <laughs> That's a weird suntan you've got, Leslie. Sort of. <laughs> The first two wow. ever flavours, you know, that um, used to just be ready salted. And, and it yeah, was yeah. Tato Chris who came up with flavours for the first time. Okay. And there's yeah. a, a guy called Joe Murphy, he ran it, and Seamus Burke, who was his chief technician. Uh, and they thought, we found a way to get flavour onto a crisp. And they experimented with two flavours. They thought, we're going to start with just experiment, we're just in the lab, we're just experiment. And those two flavours, the first two flavours ever in the history of crisps, Cheese and onion, salt and vinegar. Uh, wow. How about that? Still that the two biggest. They've got the, the stranglehold on the flavour market because they are the two. Tato, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but they yeah. were literally the first two they ever but tried. I was reading that they thought of crisps in the old days as potatoes because they're made of potatoes. So you what? would... So, <laughs> like, 
Well, no, but we always would, like to yeah, throw yeah. something you don't know yeah, into that's this good. show. Oh my God, first, no, no, no. first the Pope, now this. <laughs> Stop it. This is a serious point. It's because... Let's oh, no, that guy, please. Please, go on, Professor. So, potatoes are Look, so crisps are made of potatoes, right? That's right. They thought, you know, only things, only things that go with potatoes, cheese and onion, you'd have oh. a potato dish. You know, that we, and you'd have some cheese and onions mm, on the side of it, or you'd, you'd slice yeah, potatoes yeah. and boil them up with some cheese and onions. So those were the natural things, and they, they hadn't freed their minds yet using the process that was called gas chromatography. And that was, a very re that was a new procedure after the war. They invented that. Basically, in the old days, to get an, an apple flavoring, you would have to start with a ton of apples, then you'd end up with two grams of apple flavor. Yeah. And then gas yeah, chromatography yeah, yeah. meant you could identify the compounds that made that flavor okay. and recreate it. Yeah. Uh, another hero from the history of crisps, oh, yeah. uh, Laura Scudder, uh, and she invented bags of crisps. Whoa. Okay, so before her, you would get a big barrel of crisps or <laughs> potato crisps, the chips in America, or you'd be tins or display cases, and you'd go in and they kind of shovel them into something, and you would take them a home. bag, a bag, <laughs> a bag. <laughs> There's no getting around it. It was a bag. <laughs> but what she did is she got her workers to take home sheets of wax paper. They ironed them in the shape of what we would now today know as crisp bags, and then they would take them to the factory the next day, and they would put actual crisps in crisp bags. And we never had that before then. Right. Uh, and she was also the first person to put fresh by dates on any products. As in, Whoa. these will be fresh, fresh for this. Uh, fresh by. You know, like yeah, yeah. as in best before and. Used by. In yeah. America, yeah, fresh by dates. fresh by. Yeah, well, that. let's say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, she's really interesting because she only got into crisps because she had a shed and she wanted to rent it out to people. <laughs> and that was, that the, was the use next she step, came up with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was um, selling it to people to work in and there was a guy who claimed to be a barber but he was actually selling bootleg alcohol and she was very religious and she didn't like this so she kicked him out and she's like, well, what am I going to do with this shed? I might as well make crisps. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, can I ask a question? Just a point of order. Sure. By barber, do you mean barbershop guy? <laughs> yeah, she couldn't get insurance for her delivery trucks uh, because she was a woman. And so she had to find a special insurance company. And she once turned down a $9 million offer for her company because the buyer wouldn't guarantee her employer's jobs. Wow. So Arthur Scargill would be proud. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Um, Quavers. Yes. Is it true? And I'm looking at you, Richard, when I asked yeah. this. Is it made of the leftovers from potatoes, which have not made it into crisps? So basically, it's the oh. starch that gets... The Walker's factory has a log flume that the potatoes all go down. Right. Which washes out some of the starch. They all, they all get their photo taken. <laughs> oh, oh, I want that one. Look at you. Oh, I definitely want that one. It's above the mantelpiece. Every time I remember, look at his face there. Look at his eyes. He's dead now, of course. Dead now. Uh, a good question. I don't know. I thought that yeah. they were they were corn, but perhaps they're not. Perhaps they're I potato. Think, I think the perhaps why they got invented a bit earlier. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Well, I read that the starch has turned into quavers from the potatoes, so it's a way of using everything that they have, basically. Like oh, nose-to-tail eating. Yes. But for yeah. potatoes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's good. I know that um, that Monster Munch were not originally called Monster Munch. Ooh. They, uh, they, they essentially they, they got released a year earlier. I think this is the best ever name change. 
that a product has had. <laughs> okay. So in we, 1977, they came out as Monster Munch and okay. were a huge hit. But to the year before, yeah, they were called something else. Oh. I would say, I think, uh, like ha they look like hands to me. I would say ha hands is the was the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you, do you know what? When they first came out, they were called hands. Yeah, hands. that's right. They were called hands. That's a good name. Yeah. Good name. What were they called? They'd also look a bit like if you had tiny hands, like knuckle dusters, right? Like you can fit, you can fit your. You can fit two fingers in, and right. maybe... Wow. <laughs> I wasn't talking about the vagina, Chris. So I was talking about... Oh, God. I assume it must have had some monster yes. in the original. Uh, oh. So, yeah. The... Was it to do with the dance? There was that big One dance monster? The monster stomp? Monster no. mash. The monster mash. mash, yeah. No, although, no, it's not that. It's a really bad pun. Oh, monster, monster. So I tell you, you won't get it if you're thinking Irish of puns. Irish monster. I don't think like, you're. I don't think minster. you are capable of doing a pun this bad. York minster, York monster. <laughs> oh not, yeah, nice. Not, not a million miles away. He is capable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I take it back. <laughs> I, I stand to, corrected. Welcome to the world of our new brand, York minster. <laughs> we called? were told it was a bad brand. <laughs> yeah. They were called. Prime Monster. I literally was about to say that. <laughs> and I thought, that's so shit, I'm not going to say that. You know that. what, Richard, if someone says that on Pointless, do they still get the point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't do Pointless anymore, but yes, if I look in their eyes and believe them. Oh, my God. I didn't even get the pun, I'm afraid. The Prime, Prime Monster. Minister. Prime Minister. Oh. Richard, that's genuinely going to go down as one of the most disappointing moments of my life. And, <laughs> and you've had a few, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is... My kids will hear this episode. Not my wife, obviously. She doesn't listen. But let's do a little, little edit. Anybody? Anyone? Anyone guess it? Dan? Prime monster. It's the right answer. Oh. And that's all the time we have. Oh. That's it. That is all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. I win this episode, and if you'd like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we've said over the course of this podcast, we can be found on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at Schreiberland, James. At James Harkin. Andy. At Professor Andrew Hunter Murray. Uh, at Andrew Hunter M. Richard. Uh, that's a good question. At, at Richard Osman. It's think. at Richard Osman. There yeah. we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, or you can get us on our group account, which is at No Such Thing, or you can go to our website, nosuchthingasafish.com. All of our previous episodes are up there, so do have a listen. Thank you, everyone, for being here tonight. Richard, thank you so much for being Such here tonight. Such a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back again next week with another episode. We'll see you then. Goodbye.